I'm Saul, and it is, this is the first time I've spoken to people who are surrounding me on every angle. But we're going to be continuing our detox series uh, this morning. We're focusing on words. And uh, next week, Carl's going to talk about the mind, and you're going to see a little bit of overlap in that. Uh, but I'm excited to, to bring this message to you today. Um, words are very powerful. They can be an incredible source of encouragement. They can bring healing. They can bring life. Uh, they can also be an incredible source of discouragement. And they can bring, bring destruction. And uh, they can wound us very deeply. We can carry those negative words with us throughout our entire lives at times. They can shape who we are what we choose to do with our life, what we think we're capable of, what we think we're incapable of, whether we think we're wanted or lovable, whether we think we're worthy, or whether we think we'll be rejected and that we're not wanted. As I was thinking about an example of uh, words, a person who knows how to use words in a way that really encourages and brings life, I, one of the best examples I could think of is a special education teacher named Chris Ullman. That's his name, Chris Ulmer, sorry, Ulmer. And uh, he made a little video, he's a, as I said, he's a special education teacher. He made a little video about what he does in his classroom to, uh, to, to help his students begin to believe in themselves and begin to believe that they're worthy and capable. Uh, you may have seen it before, but let's take a look at it as we start the message this morning. You are an amazing student. You're very funny. You're very smart. You do a great job every day. And you make everyone laugh because you're so silly. Thanks for being a great student. Awesome. You're an amazing student. Yes. I love having you in my class. Yes. I think you're very funny. Yes. I think you're amazing. Yes. I think you are brilliant. Yes. I think everyone in here loves you. Yes. Great job. You are a great student. Thank you. I love having you in my class. Okay. You're funny. Yeah. You're athletic. Yeah. You're a great soccer player. I know. You're very smart. Yes. You've been doing a great job reading. Yes. You've been reading great equivalent words, which means you're very smart. Yeah. Thanks for being a great student. I think you are a brilliant student. I love having you in my class. You're awesome. You're great. You're funny. You're silly. You're fast. You're strong. Thank you for being a great student. Okay. Mr. Chris, you're the greatest teacher ever. Thank you. You're a great student. Thanks. You, sir, are an amazing student. You're very funny. You're very... How great would it be if every day when you came into work, that was how your boss started your day with you. <laughs> uh, I haven't rehearsed this, so I'm just going to give this a try. Alistair, pretend that I'm your boss. Yeah. yeah. You are amazing. I love having you on this team. You're so funny. You're so kind. Everyone here loves you. Thank you for being on this team. And then a high five. You know? And then you go to the next person. Who do I know? Kenny. This is going to be hard, the high five. It might be long distance. But Kenny, you're amazing. You're so good with numbers. You're so kind. You're so generous. You're so capable. You can do just about anything. I love having you on this team. High five. Yes. Got to watch the cables. 
I would love that if that was how my day started um, every day. I think most of us probably would. And you know what? As I, as I look around, like, just about all of you are smiling. You know, it's hard to, to listen to words of encouragement, uh, words of praise, without it bringing a smile to your face. And why don't we do that with one another more often? And incidentally, I don't really think that you need to be a Christian to notice that the power, to notice the power that words have over us. It's true just on the face of it. So in the, the Bible, the Word of God, the Word of God begins to talk about how important words are. Like, it's hard to argue with that, no matter what you believe about God. But the Bible does speak about this concept, and the main passage that we're going to focus on today is James 3, which uh, is focused on the power of the tongue in the first part of the chapter. And and he really, pretty (laughs) in classic James style, he pretty straightforwardly talks about the the power of the tongue, uh, the power that words have. And so we're going to get into that, but, but before we do that, I want to broaden and thicken our concept of words a little bit. Because it's not like we all just have this arsenal of words in our minds and we just sort of neutrally pick from them to fit the moment, to fit the situation. We're influenced. The words that, that, that come out of our mouth are influenced by our situation, our context, whether we're stressed or not, our relationship to the person that we're talking to, what we think our role is, how we think the world works or ought to work, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about the other person, what we carry in our hearts, the things that are happening around us now, but also the things that have happened to us in the past. And so the words really are just kind of the tip of the iceberg. All that other stuff that I just mentioned supports and influences what is actually spoken. Uh, as you look through Scripture, you see this concept that, that, that words are connected to other... In fact, not just our words, but our actions are connected to us They're interconnected with the other parts of us, the things that we've experienced, things that have have happened to us, things that we've done. Um, Quick proof of this, parents, um, you ever have that moment where you catch yourself saying something to your kids and then you have that thought, oh my gosh, I sound just like my father or I sound just like my mother. And like when I was a kid, I swore that I would never say this to my kids. But now I'm the parent, and boom, there it came out. Like we're connected. It's it's like the past sneaks through this wormhole in time and space and just pops right out of our mouth without us really being aware of it. But those words from the past, they stick with us. So... God, having made us, is very aware of this, I think. So when he's telling us in James 3, as we'll see in a moment, when he's telling us to watch our words, 
and he's telling us to learn how to tame our tongue, he knows that he's saying a lot more than just be disciplined about what you say or be self-controlled about what you say. When he's calling us to tame our tongue, he's really calling us to tame our whole person. He's really calling us to filter our past through a biblical lens, to examine our whole selves so that the words that we speak begin to match what's actually in our heart and the healing that has taken place as the Holy Spirit interacts with us at a deep level and as the Word of God sinks in at a deep level and as we begin to order our lives in a deep level so that when we speak, we can't help but speak words of blessing and encouragement. So just briefly, we're going to run through a couple different scriptures before we get to James 3. So uh, Matthew 15, 18 through 19, and the reference is up there. It says, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these things defile a person. For out of the heart come evil ideas, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So Jesus here is explaining, it's not just what you say, it's the stuff that's in your heart. It's all connected. And in this context, he's talking about what makes you clean or unclean. But he's just noting, it's, it's, the words are just the part that shows. It's what's down in there that I really want to deal with. Biblically, the heart is the very deepest part of us. It's the center of us. It's our identity. It's where our faith lives. It's where the Holy Spirit lives. It's where Jesus lives. We talk about coming to faith and we say, Jesus, please come into my heart. We're inviting him into the very deepest part of ourselves to begin changing us from the inside out. From the inside, the change begins to happen and then what comes out of our mouth, our words, reflects what's happened in here. Or we hope it does. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasury of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasury produces evil, for his mouth speaks from what fills his heart. Different translations up there, that's okay. Say the same thing. So here again, Jesus is saying, you know, when our hearts are aligned with him, this good person, and by good person, taken in the context of Scripture, I take that to mean that this is the person who has accepted Christ into their heart, who is seeking to follow Christ, to be transformed by Christ, and so that good things begin to be stored up in them. It's not that anyone is good on their own in a biblical sense, but that's what produces good works and vice versa for evil works. And it's not just that our words are connected to what we hold in our hearts. Our actions are connected to our heart too. Our actions are connected to where our faith lives, what we believe to be true about the world, how it works or ought to work, what's happening in a given situation, who we are at a deep level, our identity, you know, uh, whether we think we're lovable or capable or um, worthy, wanted. James 2, James deals with this right before the passage that we're about to get into, James 3. So in James 2, 17 through 18, and then in verse 22, it says, So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead being by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. 
Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You see that his faith was working together with his works, and his faith was perfected by works. And he's talking there about Abraham, and he talks about Rahab, how their faith was shown by what they did. So you've got works, your deeds connected to your heart. You've got your heart connected to your words. We're all interconnected. Uh, I could go on. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. Our mind, our heart, our actions, our faith, where, that which lives in our heart, it's all connected. That is how God has wired us together. So now as we go into this, uh, the primary passage, I'm going to give you one more. Before we go into the primary passage, I'm going to give you one more picture of what I think will help kind of bring this all together so that you can better understand how we're all interconnected. If you'll put that, that slide up. Now the writing there is too, too small to read. This is something I use in the, in the life care training. Uh, but here's the idea. We're like a tree, right? And the roots, that's our identity. That's these beliefs that we have like, I am good, or I am lovable, I am worthy, I am capable, um, I am wanted, um, I am forgiven. These identity beliefs that are really, really deep down underneath the surface, they don't even, you may not even see them visibly, uh, directly, but they're in there. They're in there. The, the opposite could be, you know, I am unwanted. I am not capable. Um, I will be rejected. Those kinds of things. I am not, not lovable. Um, so that's the roots. That's the identity beliefs that has to do with your mind. It has to do with your faith. Do you believe what God says about you or not? Or do you believe what other people have said about you? Words that other people have spoken over you? Experiences that you've had in the past? Um, the trunk of the tree are, are beliefs about the way that the world should work, the way that the world must work. This is kind of the world according to you, okay? Um, and so when you're in a given situation, you've got an idea of how things ought to be or should be or must be, what you must do, what you should do. And these can become very rigid beliefs and they can cause a lot of stress when experience doesn't match up with belief. And then you got the branches of the tree. These are the thoughts that are kind of running through your head on a moment-by-moment -moment basis as you interpret the world around you. Um, that person's really enjoying this sermon. That person looks really bored. That person's totally checked out. And depending upon what I'm thinking, it affects my emotions. It might affect my behaviors. It might affect um, my actions and, and, uh, and the, my, my other thoughts. So those are the, the branches of the tree. And then the leaves of the tree are like our words, they're, and they're, they are our actions. And, and what we say and what we do is connected to the branches, to the trunk, to the roots. It's all connected. Now, I'm going to extend this metaphor a bit further. There's soil that the tree grows in. What's the soil? The soil is our past. It's our environment. 
It's words that have been spoken to us. It's things that have been done to us. It's affected by things that we needed that weren't done. It's affected by words we needed to hear that weren't spoken. And that's what we have to grow in. Now, uh, I was running through this example. I was talking to Hannah. And Hannah said, well, as you were explaining that to me, I had this, this picture of the leaves falling to the ground in the autumn and, and going into the soil and shaping the soil and enriching it uh, and, and affecting the way that the tree grows in the future and maybe affecting the way that other trees grow in that soil of what we speak into the world, what we bring into the world through our actions. I thought, that's great. So I added that on the left there, those arrows that are going down talk about the soil and how they're affected. What we speak into the world matters. What we do in the world matters and comes to be matter. What we speak and do in the world matter and come to be matter. We begin to create and shape the world around us that children will grow into, that we live in. It's important what we say. It's important what we do. It matters. And that last passage, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the, this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform, the Greek word is uh, metaphormo. Metamorpho, sorry. <laughs> Metamorpho. And, and that word is translated in other places as transfigured. It's like a complete, total, radical change that Jesus is calling us into. He's not calling us to just change our outward behavior. He's talking about a total transformation that begins from the inside and works its way out. Now, now I've really kind of set the stage here for James 3. So let's get into that. If I can turn the page. So James 3. We're just going to kind of walk through the, the verse. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. So <laughs> I, think, I think this is uh, encouraging us to, to, to note that the more we talk, the more likely we are to say something that we ought not to say, something that's going to affect people in a negative way. And, and I think the thing about preachers is they love to talk. You know, they talk a lot. Paul talked so much that a guy fell out a window and died. I mean, so, so if your living involves speaking, and your gifting involves speaking, and especially if it involves teaching the Word of God, we got to be humble about that. we got to make sure that what we're saying is really rooted in God's word and not start to add things that we kind of like because it feels good or because it matches the political climate. Uh, Proverbs 10.19 says, When words abound, transgression is inevitable, but the one who restrains his words is wise. So that's not to say we shouldn't teach one another about faith. We're commanded to do that. We're commanded to share our faith. It's just, let's make sure it's rooted in God's word. Uh, next passage there is James 3. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep 
their whole body in check. Now, the Greek word for perfect there is teleos, which means mature or complete. And this really matches with the concept of the tree and uh, our interconnectedness that I was discussing earlier, that to be mature and complete doesn't mean just changing the leaves on the tree and making sure that they look green and shiny, as if that were possible. It has to start in the root and work its way up through the tree so that by the time the nutrients get to the leaves, there's something there, there's something healthy. And what we say and what we do will fall into this world and begin to shape the soil in a healthy way. Next bit of James 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. It's just referring to the, the, the way I take this is we are, we are shaping the world around us as we speak. Our words matter. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. You know, I cannot tell you how many... I'm a counselor, um, and I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people who are grieving the destruction that has been caused in their lives by the words that people have spoken over them. And again, sometimes by words that they needed to hear that weren't ever spoken over them. Words like, I love you, from a parent. Words like, good job. You're good at that. You really are talented. You know, those kids in that video have received more love from that teacher than some people ever get in a lifetime from the ones that God created to love and encourage them. Uh, I'll never forget when I was first learning to be a counselor. I was still in school for it, but I was a pastor and I was seeing people. And um, this guy came in, never met him before, wasn't a part of our congregation. He, he comes in, sits down, looks great, you know, suit looking good on the outside. And he starts to kind of tell me a story. But every word that he spoke was spoke like I'm speaking now. Very slow, very haltingly. It was like he was choosing each word really, really carefully. And I had just learned about this uh, concept called process in therapy, where instead of talking about stuff that's happened out there, you talk about what's happening between me and you right now. And it makes the session become a lot more immediate, and it adds a lot of depth to it, and it becomes much more intense. And suppose that's supposed to be a good thing, because <laughs> then you can work with what's happening right here instead of what happened out there. So I pointed out to him, it seems like 
you're speaking every word really slowly as if uh, somewhere along the way you learned that you had to really watch what you said or there might be some sort of horrible consequence. Now, I wish that I had learned about pacing before I said this, made this comment, because I just met this guy. But I hadn't learned about pacing yet. If I had learned about pacing, I would have realized that that was too much too quick. And it was. Because the guy stopped, dropped his head, sat there for about a full minute without saying anything. And he said, I wish you wouldn't have said that. And he got up and walked out. And I never saw him again. Somebody had spoken some words over that guy that had damaged him so deeply that it changed his entire persona and it put a fence up around his woundedness that had like barbed wire and alarms and guard dogs and everything else around it. And he had been, he had been really wounded. So, uh, <laughs> it corrupts the whole, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Words have the power to damage and, and to cut very deeply. Uh, going on in James, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Do you know, I heard a story recently that dogs have been trained now to be able to detect cancer. Like we can train a dog to sniff out and tell us when someone has cancer. But we can't tame the, the tongue. Now, I noticed that they, they hadn't trained cats to uh, smell out cancer. Um, you know, so I'm not saying dogs are better than cats, but I think they are. But, uh, <laughs> but, but there's the power of my words again. I, so sorry, cats. I hope I didn't shatter your indifferent facade. Um, but, but again it's just important to tame the tongue but it's very difficult to tame the tongue next, next moving on in James with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's license uh, God like, God's likeness out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters this should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What I take from this, because he's calling them my brothers and sisters, I mean, he's noticing that whether you're a Christian or not, this is something you're going to struggle with. In Galatians 5, uh, it talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And that battle, as far as I can tell in my life, will go on probably until the day I die. I will never have fully tamed my tongue. You know? and, and if I 
were to ask, if, certainly if you're going to ask my family, if I were to ask your families, you know, has, has mom or dad or has your brother or sister tamed their tongue? I don't care how committed of a believer you are. There will be times when words of blessing are not what comes out of your mouth. And, and that's okay because we have a God who loves us and who affirms our worth and value, thinks that we're worth enough to die for, even when we make mistakes. And like in that song that we just sang, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. I love that about God. You know, we're going to struggle with this, but I think, as, I think people who are following Christ, the, the, the advantage that we have, the benefit that we have, is that we have God's word, his word, that affirms our worth and value no matter what, like I just said. It's not dependent on our performance. It's dependent on what he says about us, and that's all it's dependent upon. And we have his word that exhorts us to continue to grow, to continue to grow in the likeness of Jesus, continue to love one another, and to receive love in community. And we have his spirit within us that enables us that calls our attention to places where we need to grow, to, that calls us attention to times when our words are not a blessing, when we're being discouraging, when we're complaining, when we're whining, when we're being critical, when we're being destructive with our words. And then we repent, knowing that God still loves us just the same. So it's, we can confess, it's okay. We can be vulnerable, it's okay. He's got us. So I'm working on it. I'm not perfect, but I'm working on it. And, and, and when I can't stand, I'll fall on God. So a few obvious points from this passage in, in James as we wrap up here. Uh, first, words have the power to destroy. Words have the power to destroy. They can take us down. They can take other people down. Second, words have the power to give life and encouragement. They have the power to give life and encouragement. And when it comes to detoxing our tongue, now I got a tongue twister for you. When it comes to detoxing our tongue, we need to remember that the truly tamed tongue takes total transformation. Let's say that five times fast. The truly tamed tongue takes total transformation. It's not just let me bite my tongue and not say that. It's not just, oh, i got to do say the right thing and just kind of grit your teeth and white-knuckle it to words of blessing. No, we want to change the whole tree from the roots up to the leaves. It's when God is saying, tame your tongue, he's saying, become perfect, become mature, become complete, not just your words, all of you. All of you, that's what he's calling us to in this passage. It's not just about our words. So, uh, I got three challenges for you. Three challenges. And this is going to set us up for the most gracious and loving coffee and tea time that has ever happened in the history of Central Church. That was a bold claim, but I'm going to go for it. Okay, number one, make it a point 
to use your words to build up and encourage others. Just throughout this, I'm not saying just throughout this week, but over the course of this next week, just pay attention to how you're using your tongue. Pay attention to how you're using your words. And I challenge you, speak words of blessing and encouragement over one another. Tell people that you love them. We have a friend who, I debated whether or not to share this, but I'm going to. We have a friend who just lost her mom this past week. She tripped in the kitchen, hit her head in the hospital that night. Five days later, she's gone. And uh, like she was fine before. We don't know how long we have. We don't know. Like, this is your time to say what you need to say to somebody, to build them up, to encourage them, to love them, to reflect Jesus to them. It may be the only time you have. Number two, watch your angry or critical words. When you catch yourself complaining, when you catch yourself cutting other people down, when you catch yourself, um, you know, like criticizing the sermon that you heard on Sunday morning, you don't want to do that. (laughs) No, it's not that things aren't going to go wrong around you. It's not that there can't be such a thing as constructive conflict. But watch out for the destructive conflict. Um, and, and when you do catch yourself speaking that way, ask yourself, where is this coming from? Where on my tree is this coming from? This angry, critical, cutting tone. Is this something that's been modeled for me? Is this something in my soil that I need to deal with? Is it something at the root that I need to deal with? Is my, am I fighting for significance? Because I already have that in Christ. Why am I fighting for it? And third, uh, that leads me into my my third point here. Just make it a, a life goal. Not just a goal this week, but a life goal to understand how your tree works. Like, figure out what's in the soil. What's in my roots? What's in the trunk? How do I see the world? What, if it's the world according to me, what sort of rules and, and uh, conditional statements do I make about the world around me, how it ought to work, how it should work, how it must work, and if it doesn't, then what? Make it a point to understand the way that you process things as they're happening. Make it a point to notice your actions And what happens when you speak things into this world and what happens is those leaves fall to the ground and begin to change and shape the soil around you. You know, if you're going to lead anything, anything, a family, a friendship, a business, a ministry, you need to know how your tree works. Because when you speak with passion about the thing that you're investing in, it has to come from the heart because that's what inspires people. That's what encourages people to follow you. But you can't manufacture it. It's got to be real. It's got to come from a place of really knowing yourself, understanding where you've been and why you're doing what you're doing. People will follow that. They will care about that. 
They will align with you when they see your passion. And so if you are going to make it a goal to understand how your tree works, you, you might need to involve other people in that process. One way, not the only way, but one way you can do that is take the life care course. A little shameless self-promotion here. We got one coming up at Central. Those are the dates. It's all, all six of those dates. But in that course, we, we, we do. We take a lot of time because if you're leading other people through problems, you've got to understand your own life and the things that you've gone through and why you're doing this. You know, not because you want to relate everything that happened to another person to something that happened to you and make it all about you, but to be able to understand what it's like to experience hurt or, or pain or anger or shame or, or guilt and to know what that feels like so that you can connect with the other person that you're ministering to on a deep level so that you can lead the people that God has put uh, in your team in a way that's authentic, in a way that's vulnerable, in a way that's passionate. So you can sign up online um, at, under the Life Care course. Or if you're not ready to lead others and you just need someone to speak to, call the counseling service, call the life care service, call the prayer team, call CAP. Start to figure out how your tree works and let God do a work of deep healing in you, not just surface level, leaf level stuff. So uh, I'd like to just close us in prayer here. God, we love you. And we are grateful that when we cannot stand, we can fall on you. And that you will always be there to catch us. And that you're not waiting for us to be perfect. And you are not waiting for us to even make the decision to love you before you thought we were worth dying for. Thank you that you're so gracious and that you're so kind. Thank you that you're not just interested in the outer person, but the inner person. You're after our heart. And God, we just give it to you. And uh, we know you can, we can trust you with it. And um, I just pray for, for everyone this week as we, um, as we go through our week and we watch our words and notice the power that our tongue has to bless or to encourage or to destroy and to wound that uh, you just move through your spirit, through your word, through your people to reveal to us whatever it is that you want us to see about ourselves. Not in condemnation, not in judgment, uh, but as a way of just growing us more into your likeness. So we love you. We trust you with this. And uh, we thank you that you're here with us this morning and that you'll be with us wherever we go from here. It's in your name we pray. Amen.